Your Locked On Coyotes, your daily podcast on the Arizona Coyotes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Wednesday, February 17th here on the Locked On Coyotes podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Rob Leonio, here to get you in some uh, some talk about the Arizona Coyotes. Well, duh. The uh, Coyotes have, have a day off, essentially. They don't have any games uh, played today on this Wednesday, or they didn't even yesterday either, as they finished up their series against the St. Louis Blues. Coming up next, a series with a short, much, much shorter series, I, would, I should rather say, with the Los Angeles Kings. We'll be talking about both of those on today's podcast, as well as chaos in the front office. What to talk about? We need to address the article published on Tuesday morning from The Athletic on the Arizona Coyotes. We'll get to that, all of that, on today's episode. Plus, we will also be talking with uh, Arizona hockey expert uh, Kat Silverman, host of the Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference podcast and former contributor to The Athletic, now now, uh, now helping out among several other publications. She'll be joining us shortly, but first I do want to address one of the, the, uh, the elephant in the room, per se, on the Arizona Coyotes, the athletic report that was released on Tuesday morning and uh Let's just say it's not good right now. The Coyotes are in uh, what, what, what the the way that the uh, that the report says, and you know it's dysfunctional in ways. You know you have unpaid debts. Uh, you know vendors still last. You know looking for money. Uh, con- broken contracts. So many different problems right now with the Coyotes. It the report does not you know put it in any light, and the Coyotes put out a response. Pretty much saying they're looking for legal action. They're going out and saying, "Hey, the uh, this athletic reporter, Katie Strang, is uh, putting out a harassment campaign to the Morello leadership group of the Arizona Coyotes, and we won't stand for it. And we will pursue legal options because a lot of this is not true." Now, this leads me to concern in many different ways because you know they this report you know, has over 50 different sources who, you know, have laid out their experiences working with the Coyotes organization, working with the Morello Leadership Group, specifically, uh, you know, even some of the uh, actions done with, uh, you know, Alex Morello Jr., the, you know, he's been, he's been doing a lot of, uh, you know, stuff in hockey ops and, uh, you know, people saying that the workout environment is toxic. You don't want to challenge the leadership, because, you know, if you do, you'll be shown the door. Overall, this report is just not, uh, it's not good. And I don't want to assume anything because, you know, again, this report was put out and uh, it's, and, and it could be happening to any team right now. Um, you know, a lot of teams going through financial struggles, especially during this pandemic year. Um, and I'm not, and again, I'm not saying the, uh, the, the report from Katie Strang was you know inaccurate in any way 
I, you know, I, I believe she is a phenomenal journalist and uh, she did her job and did her due diligence and, you know, what, and put it out in that way. However, you know, there's other things to take a look at when it comes to this. It just sucks to cease a report on this for the Coyotes. Feels like just another addition to the terrible saga that the Coyotes have had to endure over the last seven months or so. And and yes, it puts it, it put them in a difficult spot. But the I wish I could say much more and I can comment much more. But you know, you can the article itself really speaks for itself and it has a lot has a lot to it. And uh I just wish the coyotes didn't respond the way they did. Um the press release that they did, um and it, 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 in a way, to me, it kind of, you know, adds fuel to the fire. But I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to go and crazy and, and attack either side. I'm just putting out my opinion. And uh, the enough of a uh, digest of what I understood from this article that was released, once again, by Katie Strang of The Athletic on Tuesday morning that will be just about what i have to say on this topic um and if anything else comes out i will be sure to uh make as much commentary as i can but again this is all i have for now coming up we welcome the guest for today's show you'll recognize her voice and you'll recognize her name kat silverman we'll get to our conversation with kat in just a sec but first I want to talk to you guys about Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And I can really, you know, really put this forward to you guys that I wouldn't recommend any other protein bar to you guys other than Built Bar because of the phenomenal taste to them. Doesn't even taste like a protein bar. Like I said, it tastes more like a candy bar. And they're healthy, 18 different flavors to choose from, so many different options. I could not, again, recommend anything else. So go ahead and try it yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you can get 20% off your next order. So again, use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. We're covering everything you need to know about the Arizona Coyotes, but what about the rest of sports? Now the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski and it's all the sports News you need every morning in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your podcast. Let's now move on to welcome the guest of today's show. Uh, well, Kat, Kat Silverman, she is the uh, she's actually the host of a of another podcast, the uh, Three Cheers for Goaltender Interference podcast. Uh, so, uh, Kat, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? Not too bad, you know, and, and enjoying the weather here in Arizona. I'm pretty sure you could say the same thing. You, can, you know, having a pretty mild winter, I cannot complain. Yeah, it's uh, we've got this wind these last couple, I think it's been, what, the last four or five days where it's been just crazy wind-wise, um, which is, I, I could do without that, but we don't have a foot of snow like everyone else in the country, so so I won't complain too much, so. Yeah. I, I kind of want to go back to last week and when it was like about what 75 degrees uh, with no uh like no wind nice and calm it was perfect that was yeah I'm I kind of like snow um 
So I kind of miss having at least a little bit of a cold winter. I feel like we somehow got gypped on a on any kind of winter at all. Um, but yeah, I, I could do without the wind, uh, could do without the power outages that everyone else seems to be having. So yeah. But uh, anyways, let's go ahead and get into the uh, the uh, the meat of of today's show with alongside with you is first. Well, you, I mean, you live here in Arizona. You got a chance to cover the Coyotes for a bit. You know, uh, yourself previously writing for The Athletic and, uh, you know, among several other sites here in Arizona. Uh, let me get your th- initial thoughts on first the, uh, the season for the Coyotes, and then we'll go into the series that they just had against the Blues. Absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm kind of happy with this season. Honestly, I think uh, they, they could be winning more games, obviously. I think every team looks at the number of games that they've played and they look at, I'd say usually you have what, four or five games that you wish you could take back. Um, But overall, I think last time I checked the Coyotes are, they're in a playoff position. I'll pull it up real quick. I think when I checked, uh, I think it was after their game on Monday, they were in third in the division. Yeah. It looks like they, they still are their third in the Honda West. Obviously the, the games played is getting a little wonky because, uh, there are teams that have, what, 12 games. Minnesota has 11. So a couple teams have had had their postponements for COVID protocol. Um, so it's kind of hard to get a truly accurate gauge there. But they're in the thick of things. And that's kind of hard when you play the same teams over and over, which I know you, you're you planning to sort of segue into there. That's I think they've been handling that pretty well. Right. It can be easy to to sort of tank your momentum when you play the same team multiple times in a row. And, and that's an adjustment for everyone in the NHL this year. And some teams have, have not adjusted to it perfectly. And I think the Coyotes have, they've done okay with it. Honestly, I can't complain about that too much. Oh, I, I was worried about, about the uh, St. Louis Blues series because, you know, before that series started, they had a major inconsistency problem, a major confidence problem, especially you saw, you know, being shut out in the last, the last of the four games against the Golden Knights, the first of the two games against the Ducks. It was a completely different team that I saw against the Blues. I think a, a whole new confidence was built. And uh, it was, yeah, it was t- to me, this team against the Blues was the most impressive that I've ever seen them uh, this season so far. I think it was the most impressive we've seen them over a, a season series against... Uh... I would say over a, over a playoff series, quote unquote, because that's essentially what they just did there. Right. I mean, they they had their play in series against the the Nashville Predators. This I guess it was in August, right? So a couple months ago. Um, what a weird year. And they did they did well, but I think there, like you said, there were some consistency problems that when we saw them against the Golden Knights this year, against the Ducks, against the Sharks, we we did see some of those those hiccups where it looked like the team just couldn't play the same way and the same level every night. And we saw that against the Nashville predators during the play in series, they ended up squeaking out the win, but they, they had some room for improvement and then they got steamrolled by Colorado. Um, And looking back over the years, they've had consistency issues. And then like you said that this was the most consistent performance we've seen from the team in in a very long time. And, and part of that was errors on the part of the blues. Um, I think that it wasn't entirely the coyotes being the superior team, so to speak, but, but I think they did a good job adapting and they did a good job when they were playing to their strengths, sort of holding on to those. Right. I, 
it was it was fun watching them and every once in a while we have those stretches with this team where we get nervous right we're like are they gonna are they gonna score a goal <laughs> in any of their games and you wonder if they're ever gonna score again and right I didn't, I didn't feel any of those nerves I didn't feel that sense of impending oh what are, what are they when when's the, the the other hammer gonna drop there and I didn't feel that for what seven straight games and that's that's a rarity <laughs> It is. It is a rarity because I look back to the, you know, especially that, that the Colorado playoff series, and and that and that was just that. You, they they just looked like they went into a complete shell, and I think I think what like it was like six shots through two periods on one of the games. Like it it was bad, and this team is different. And it's I, I don't know what sparked this new confidence or whatever it was. Maybe it was uh, the uh, pseudo threat that Rick Tockett had to break up the short leash line early in the series I don't know what it was but something worked yeah I think uh and it's it's kind of hard to tell obviously you know when a team doesn't play with consistency and they had they had quality skill guys on those inconsistent teams and they had character guys on those inconsistent teams they had leaders like like they had a uh, Brad Richardson and they had OEL uh, and they had Nick Jalmerson, they had Derek Stepan. Looking back before that, they had Shane Doan. Um, and they just they just couldn't seem to be consistent. And I think that some of it is seeing some fresh blood. You know, they didn't keep around locker room presence that was positive in the locker room, but was struggling to be consistent on the ice. They kind of, not the... I, I miss Brad Richardson dearly. I'm sure a lot of people do, but you know, they, they refreshed it a little bit. They brought in oh, yeah. guys, they brought in uh, Derek Brissard. They brought in Johan Larson. They, they didn't keep uh, Richardson around. They didn't keep some of the other depth guys around. They just sort of casually moved along. Uh, Vinny Hinnestroza was having a lot of trouble with consistency. So they, they moved on and they brought in other depth options like Tyler Pitlick and uh, Drake Kajula. So I think they they almost lost a little bit of that sense of loyalty that they had not not to a fault. They they had loyalty to a fault for a bit where they kept guys who we loved and the team loved but just weren't clicking on the ice and they kept them for a little too long sometimes out of loyalty to them and they kind of I feel like this off season they did a little bit of hey this this wasn't working so so let's try something else. Let's let's see how that goes. And I think it it's better for everyone involved to do that. And I think bringing in some of that fresh blood just gave them a chance to mix it up a bit. And once they found those pieces that that meshed well together on certain lines, things have started to gel. And I I am under no delusion that we won't see another low stretch. I think every team goes through multiple per season, but at the very least, it looks like like we're not dealing with the same type of inconsistency that we used to. We're not seeing where where we're trying to fit square pegs into round holes because we we liked their personalities in the locker room and it's and and we kept some of the some of the character. I don't think we we tossed that out in lieu of having it come back in. I think we still have a really good locker room, but but it was just a little bit of a a little bit of a move there that I think might have might have freshened things up a bit. 
We are talking with uh, Kat Silverman, one of Arizona's local hockey experts. We a wonderful conversation going so far, talking about the Coyotes and the season so far, and uh, and uh, getting her thoughts on uh, how they've been playing upcoming. Uh, in just a sec, we will go ahead and pick her brain a little bit more on the Arizona Coyotes. We will talk with her a little bit about some of the players that have stood out with the Arizona Coyotes, uh, both on the offense as well as uh, in the goaltending department. That is where Kat has her you know, biggest expertise. We will get to all of that in just a sec, but first I want to talk to you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up for a free account today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Every Wednesday on Locked On NHL, take a deep dive into the West with Sarah Avampado of Locked On Kings and Tom Gazzola of Locked On Oilers. Whether it's a look at top-end contenders like Vegas and Colorado, breaking down the rebuilds of the Kings and Blackhawks, Locked On NHL has you covered on all Western Conference Wednesdays. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your podcasts. And now, let's go ahead and continue our uh, conversation. Kat, with Kat before we start recording, one of the things that uh, I was telling you that I wanted to talk about was, uh, well, some of the stuff that I saw from Tucson the last few years and the players that they developed. And I told you, well, I kept telling everybody about Connor Garland. And I just want everyone else, as many people that can come on this podcast to agree with me on how good this guy really is. Because especially this last this Blues series, I, 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 was, I was in shock of exactly how the Blues just let him essentially run the ice the way he wanted to. Yeah, I so when he started playing well, uh I don't remember was it was it two seasons ago that he looked like he was on pace for like 20 something goals over the back half of the season. Uh I went back and I looked at some of my tweets from his draft year and I found a tweet when he got drafted where I said, "Oh, they they got this guy in the 5th round. I bet you there are some teams that are really wishing they could have done that." And at the time that I tweeted, I had some friends send it to me and they were like, no offense, but like his game away from the puck, like he scores really well in the queue, but it's just, he's not going to translate. So that's why he went so low, even to the Coyotes. Like they didn't pick him with a higher round. And I was like, okay, if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. I'm wrong a lot of the time. Like everything I say is wrong. And, but it just looked like he finally got a chance to, like you said, just like play the way he wants to. He gets, and he's, he's developed his game away from the puck. I know you watched more of him in, in Tucson than I did, getting to see that development away from the puck, that little bit of defensive responsibility that maybe he didn't have at one point. Um, just combined with that tenacity, he, he loves scoring those dirty goals. Uh, that and when I say dirty goals, I mean there's there's a chance he's going to get tackled by the other team's goalie for something he said. There's a chance that he's going to get hit in the face by the puck to score the oh, goal. Yeah. Like he does whatever he wants, and 
and he's he's gonna be a star for it it's it's so much fun to watch I I, I could talk about that all day my biggest concern from him during his early years was always his skating um he wasn't the best he like he like like what you were saying he Goal scoring was not the problem with him at all. Now, he probably was Tucson's best goal scorer in the first year I started covering Tucson. But I was looking at him as like, you know, his vision on the ice, his skating. It's like he needs to work on that. And it shows that he absolutely did. And it sh- and he's one of the better te- one of the better players right now in the Coyotes because of that. Absolutely. I uh I remember I talked to him for for a different kind of story. I think it was I think it was last year. Um, and I I wanted to do a piece because the Colorado Avalanche had decided to withhold their um, their starting goalie information because they didn't want to give the other team an advantage. And that was what their head coach said. Jared Bednar was like, I don't want the other team to have any sort of an advantage by knowing who our starting goalie is. And in my head, I was like, I'm pretty sure these guys scout them well enough that they're going to know the starter or the backup. Like they're going to be prepared for either one. Um, so I think that's bogus. And so I asked around the Coyotes locker room. I was like, Hey, if, if a team announces their starting goalie the day before the game, does that change your preparedness level over if they announce it at puck drop? And Connor Garland's response was, he was like, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I watch game film on these guys all the time. He was like, I go and I watch the systems for another team. And I watch how their system relates to their goalie. And I watch their goalie and I watch how he plays special teams and I watch how he does in the shootout. And so I've already studied and analyzed both goalies. So it doesn't matter to me. He was like, I don't, it it wouldn't make a difference if I, they announced the goalie two days ahead of time and then he gets the flu. I'm, I'm going to know. And that, that just attention to detail and that willingness to just absorb all this information I think is kind of why, like you said, he his game vision on the ice when he hit the pros just wasn't where it needed to be. His skating, I I still don't think it's perfect because he's got this weird sort of loose legged style when he skates. I think he he looks like he sh- yeah like he could be more efficient if he tried. Um, it and he just he never seemed to quite be in the right place defensively or to to receive a pass or just to close up some of those passing lanes for the other team or to open one up for himself and that that almost hindered his ability as a goal scorer because he wasn't in the right place to help advance the puck up the ice and to to get in position to receive a good pass to score the goal even though he had these great hands um and it very clearly shows that he's the kind of player who will sit there and study what he needs to do and it, it also shows hockey skill that he's able to study it and then translate it. That's the difference between him and like you and I. We can we can study it all day and I don't think we'd hit the NHL. But uh, it, it shows that he, he did pay attention to what just wasn't working for him at the pro level. And he, he studied it and he applied it on the ice and he practiced. And he's, he's one of the harder workers on the team, um, which I think is almost sometimes a concern for him because he... He does seem to run out of steam sometimes during the season because he uses so much so intensely uh, with no let with no real let up in it throughout the season. But it it shows in how he plays, too. Uh, it shows that he when the team can't get a shot on net, he's, he's the one who scores every time. <laughs> 
switching gears to the uh, the other side of the ice uh, in in goaltending, you you are the uh, in terms of uh, you know hockey media personalities here in Arizona, you are the person to talk to when it comes to goaltending. Um, and uh, well, Arizona's goaltending this year. I mean, we can't complain. Darcy Camper on Tiranta, probably one of the you know close to really really solid tandem we got here in uh, in Glendale. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's funny. I think a lot of people almost kind of forgot that that Auntie Ranta, when you looked at stats over the last two or three years, has been equal to or better than Darcy Kemper every year. I mean, he's just constantly right up there. And they're both two of the top. I would say they're both in the top 10 in skill for goaltenders league-wide. So whether whether you have Darcy Kemper or Auntie Ranta in that, as long as the team in front of them doesn't completely melt down, which we've seen them do, right? We saw them do it against the Colorado Avalanche for two consecutive games to close out that yeah. series. But that was that was ugly and horrible, and I, I, I don't want to rewatch that ever again. But but no, they, they have this quality in net. And even though I think Darcy Kemper got off to a little bit of a slow start, I think Auntie Ranta definitely jumps in without a – quote unquote preseason for himself a little bit faster, whereas Kemper needs a couple of games to get himself warmed up. We saw it last year during the preseason he struggled more. We saw it during the play in round he struggled a little more during those those initial training camp scrimmage games. Uh, and we saw it this year with those first few games. He I think he was sitting at like an 870 save percentage for the first few games there. But once he gets going, he's stellar. Once Ranta's healthy, he's stellar. So as long as you, you know, you have Darcy Kemper rolling and Auntie Ranta hasn't pulled something or tweaked something or slept on the wrong side of the bed, I don't know. Uh, you have one of the best tandems league-wide, which is useful in a division that has John Gibson, Marc-Andre Fleury, Robin Lehner. During the during the other seasons, you usually have Jacob Markstrom too. This year you have Philip Grubauer, Jordan Binnington. So it's... It's a division where you need good goaltending. There is some where you, as long as your goaltender, you know, doesn't face the wrong direction, you're you're going to do okay. But this is a division where goaltending is the difference maker. Now, the opinion I want I, I want to get from you is uh, the the word I also used with uh, the Coyotes when it comes to their goaltending is you know even a step further from tandem and the word trifecta because there's a guy we haven't seen yet and he probably won't see much time because of you know Kemper and Ranta doing so well but Aiden Hill he's right there up he's still on that roster with the Coyotes and he's still uh ready to fill in he's back he's been the official backup on a couple of these games I've been a fan of Aiden Hill you know during his time in Tucson I want to get your opinion on on him and you know some of the looks that you got a chance to see from him He's he's an intriguing name for me because uh, I I've been watching him since he first started. You know, I think uh, his first year that he was he was with the Coyotes. I talked to him in training camp, and he told me that I asked him what he loved about his game and what if he could improve anything, he would improve about his game. And he said that he he really likes his his agility level. He thinks he has has good reaction speed and what he wanted to work on was everything else. Um, and so I really wished there was more confidence there from the get go. And I, I still sometimes feel like that, that internal confidence isn't quite where it needs to be for, for him to be a consistent NHL backup. Um, 
when he plays a poor game, I think we see a slew of them rather than seeing a poor game and then bouncing back to, to an right. elite performance the next game. Um, but we, we do see those good games, right? We see those ones where, cause he's got these, these long, he, he looks kind of like a spider monkey in that sometimes he's got these, this massive wingspan, these long legs, he's, he's incredibly flexible. Um, so he's got the talent, he's got the natural build for it. Um, I just, I don't, I'm almost more intrigued to see where Ivan Prosvitov is going to fit in. And I'm just sort of. I'm, I'm curious at this point about Aiden Hill's longevity ability. While whereas I'm like truly intrigued to see if Ivan Prosvatov is the, to me, he's the heir apparent here. I'm glad they mentioned, mentioned Ivan too, because uh, I mean, he's doing well enough right now over in Tucson, you know, helping them lead right now to a four and O start first time for the Roadrunners in franchise history. So, you know, he's doing, he's doing pretty some impressive stuff right there. And, you know, they'll be playing this weekend as well hosting the San Jose Barracuda. I don't think they'll, I don't think they'll get enough of them yet. Yeah. When, when do they, when do they get to stop playing them or do they get to stop playing them? Is it just going to be a two, a two team series like throughout, throughout the year? Is this just going to be those two teams? I think officially on the record that these, that the games this weekend are the last time as they'll play all season long, but you know, the American hockey league, they'll probably throw things in just at any random point. We never know. Based on how the rest of the season goes with with protocol and delays, they might as well just do what they did to the Coyotes and the Blues and say, "Hey, you guys are you guys are close. You guys shared a ring for a while. Uh, do you want to keep playing each other? When do you want to stop? Never. No, let's keep going." <laughs> uh, I would. I mean, like, I I wouldn't complain. You know, I, I I'm pretty sure you you very well know. I grew I grew up a San Jose Sharks fan, so I wouldn't mind watching the baby Sharks play. You know, the baby coyote is the team I cover. So two teams I love playing each other. I I can't complain. <laughs> the baby sharks. Oh, I love that. <laughs> but uh, let's go ahead and, uh, and switch gears once again. Um, we are talking with Kat Silverman on this uh, Locked On Coyotes podcast today. Uh, so uh, Kat, I, I, a couple other things I want to get from you is uh, just, I guess, some more fun things out of, out of this episode is, uh, you know, you're... Uh, your Twitter bio reads that you are the the uh, second biggest hot dog enthusiast in Arizona. Uh, let's 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 go, let's go ahead and test that. What's uh, what's right now? What's the best place in uh, in Arizona for a hot dog? I'm gonna have to go with Portillo's. Um, I my dad's from Chicago. My brother lives in Chicago. My aunts and uncles are there. Um, it's they do it right. And I know some people don't like boiled hot dogs. Um, but they, to me, they do it. They do it right. Um, I know Craig Morgan will disagree with me, but ketchup and mustard cheese melted on top. That's, that's how you eat a hot dog. If you're not, if you're not an animal, um, I know Craig doesn't do ketchup, but that's, I, I don't know. I, I, I'll go with Portillo's. All right. And, uh, another, another question for you on that. We'll, uh, Yes or no to the Sonoran dog, the uh, the staple of uh, hot dogs here in Arizona. The what is like the icon? So I don't I don't want to make people mad. Um, I I guess yes to people who like that kind of stuff. That's that's not my cup of tea. It's it's got a lot of stuff on it that I don't I don't personally eat because it it has jalapenos, right? 
Or does it have relish? It has something either pickles or jalapeno related that I don't eat. I like to think that I've slowly been earning my my Arizonan card the longer I've lived here. Uh, you know, I've I've survived summers here. I've moved into a third floor apartment in August in 117 degree weather. I've hiked uh, most of the mountains. I've run most of the mountains. Um, I've seen a javelina. I've seen a coyote. Um, but I grew up more with East Coast food and I grew up with Mediterranean food and with shawarma trucks and with uh with bodegas and so for me Mediterranean spice and Indian cuisine spice is perfectly fine you can crank that up as much as you want you can crank up the curry but jalapeno based spice I can't do it and I I don't know what it is it even if it's like a mild jalapeno salsa or it's a pico de gallo it's I don't know. It just, it, I can't do it. And so anything that has pico on it or has peppers and onions and has tomatillo sauce and has jalapenos, that's, I I don't like it. And I don't know if that's something that'll ever change. So unfortunately for me personally, I say no to the Sonoran dog. Um, but I, I'm delighted that Arizonans have found a cuisine that makes them so incredibly happy because I I would never begrudge someone the food they like unless it's Chicago deep dish pizza. That's that's silly. You shouldn't like that. But if if you like something like this Sonoran dog, I'm really happy for you. Um. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I I can totally get that. I've like I've I've personally been a fan ever since I had it the first time. I'm not and I'm not gonna be, uh, go ahead and uh, and uh, you know begrudge anyone who is not who's not a fan i've I, you know i'll say like my mom whenever she comes down to visit me in arizona she no nope, doesn't want to try it it's not not, her like, not my cup of tea i'm not doing it i'm like all right fair, fair enough fair enough but no I, that, 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 that that's that's all good and fun though um i want to give you also some time probably to talk about your podcast you know this is uh like i saw you you know you have that that podcast, three cheers for goaltender interference. Tell me a little bit about that. That that, uh, that sounds, you know, really fun. Yeah, that that was actually um, it was an accident. Um, one of my one of my good buddies from back east, uh, Mikey Radigan. He's my co-host. We um, we always joked uh, with one of our friends about starting a podcast, um, and they didn't really seem super interested in it. And then, as the pandemic was starting to hit, he and I were talking about how we should just start a podcast of our own. We were like, oh, our friend doesn't want to do it. That's fine. We can we can do it ourselves. Um, and the two of us have have a lot of differences. You know, he's he's a ska fan, which is trash. Um, and I'm a goalie. He's not. But he's an Islanders fan, which is sad. I'm not. Um, but we both grew up on, on Long Island pop punk music. And so we both share a very deep rooted love for East coast pop punk music. And we decided that we would start a podcast for it. And we started it right as the pandemic was hitting. So we were both home a lot. He was working from home. He still lives in New York city. So he obviously wasn't able to do a lot because they, they got hit the worst with, with COVID-19 at the start. So he was pretty much on full lockdown for a couple months. Um, I was on furlough at my other job, and so I was home with with a four year old, just sort of losing my mind. And 
So we decided that we would actually start the podcast that we had always joked about and started to record and realized that it was it was kind of fun. We're not very good at it. Um, neither of us are very technologically adept. So we do have a delightful friend, Maxwell Spar, <laughs> who produces it for us. We send him we send him a Skype recording and tell him, please work your magic. Um, but yeah, we we started off talking a little bit about just trying to keep ourselves sane with with the lockdown and talking a little bit about what we missed with hockey and talking about music, talking about TV shows. We had a film critic friend of mine on who's also a hockey fan, but talking about how the movie industry is going to change because of COVID. And as it's evolved, we've gotten a chance to talk to a lot of a lot of more, more diverse voices. Um, we've gotten to talk to Saad Youssef. He's uh, the first East, I believe he's one of the first East Asian reporters to cover the Dallas Stars. Um, as a beat reporter full time, we've, we've gotten to talk to to my friend Kim, who's a Washington Capitals fan, about the Black Girl Hockey Club. Um, we've gotten to talk to Katie Caldwell up in Vancouver about the Canucks, why it aren't about the Canucks, because um, they're they're a disaster and it's a lot of fun to talk about bad teams. Um, gotten to talk about the Coyotes and we, we get a chance to talk about our music and there to keep it nice and light, but it gives us a, a chance to really talk about some of the things in hockey that really don't don't get as much of a spotlight put on them sometimes. Like, I know we get a lot of talk about diversity in an abstract way, but sometimes we don't, we amplify the same couple of voices a lot, um, which are important and they're very good voices and they're they're strong and there's a reason we talk to them a lot, but we wanted a chance to give give some other other names a chance to talk to like like a reporter in Dallas and and uh you know we have women that that cover teams in places where they're the only woman covering the team stuff like that so and then then I get a chance to roast him about ska a lot too which is is a lot of fun uh before we close things off uh get you a couple predictions coming up this week first Arizona Coyotes and the uh, Los Angeles Kings starting on Thursday and then heading into the weekend. And then after that, the Lake Tahoe games, the uh, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche, as well as the, uh, was it Boston and Philadelphia, I yes. believe? Yes. Um, so prediction for the Coyotes and Kings, I think uh, it'll depend on the goaltender who starts. Um I have all the faith in the world in Cal Peterson. I think he's a he's an underrated king. Um, I have no faith left in Jonathan Quick, um, and I haven't for a couple of years now. So I think if the Coyotes draw Quick, uh, they're going to win. And I think if they draw Cal Peterson, there's a chance that game's going to go to extra time. Um, as for the Lake Tahoe games, uh, that's a tough one. My My biggest prediction is that we're going to see – COVID do something to wreck it um, because somehow we're not quite four for four on the teams that have, that are playing in Lake Tahoe with missing time for COVID protocol, but we're three for four. And that's really rough. Um, That's a 75% failure rate. So there's one team left that has not managed to enter COVID protocol of those. And uh, I love the Boston Bruins. I grew up cheering for them. That's, that's my, my original team, but uh I don't I don't have a ton of faith that they're going to be able to hold out and and not join in the party with with their friends and like Tahoe was getting games postponed so I'm a little nervous that uh that we're going to see 
not not necessarily a postponement because I don't know if they can delay a game like that. I think we might end up seeing some sort of cancellation there. Does the, do these Lake Tahoe games also uh, depending on how they end up if they if if they go on without a hitch? Uh, do you see them becoming more, maybe more of a normal thing? You have like a, a pseudo like pond hockey game coming up, you know, once a year or whatever it might be. I sure hope so. I think uh, I think the league does they do an okay job with their um, with their promotion of. I I mean I know some people think the outdoor games are overplayed, but um, there, there's a reason people love them. It's it's fun and it gives people a chance to go and see a game outdoors and these pond hockey games, you don't get fans. So I think the league before pre COVID wouldn't have been a chance. It wouldn't have been a prayer because they, unfortunately, I think it would have been a little too non-revenue driven, but I think this year has given everyone a chance to reevaluate some things and uh, to, to sort of reexamine the priorities of revenue versus being being a little different and being creative about stuff like that and i think if it does go off without a hitch um i think the league would definitely explore doing it again uh and maybe doing it with giving a chance to showcase a couple teams each year which uh hopefully the the coyotes will will get a chance sooner than they get a chance to play either an outdoor game or host an all-star game because they're never getting either of those apparently um but uh yeah i think if they if they give a chance to highlight that for teams, I, I can see at least the NHLPA really pushing for that because I think the players love that. But I, I think it'll it'll depend on it going off without a hitch, though, for sure. So uh, now, we, again, right before we close things off, I want to let give uh, you the opportunity to go ahead and uh, share with the Locked On Coyotes listeners how uh, how to follow you, how to uh, you know get follow a lot your a lot of the uh, stuff that you're putting out yeah they can uh easiest thing to do is follow me on twitter at Cadam silverman uh the my podcast's twitter is in my bio uh, but it's also at three cheers for goal one that's the number three and the number one um and i i'm doing some work for for elite prospects doing some for the hockey news i'm doing some for for Mile High Hockey, a couple other places too. Um, this year, I'm I'm taking a little bit of a step back from writing uh, during during the pandemic, but I'll have some stuff out here and there. And uh, if they follow me on Twitter and can can handle some of my crappier takes about like bad European TV shows, um, then they might get a couple gems in there because I I feel like I occasionally share some fun stuff. One final question for you: Will we be getting any more? uh predictions from nostra izzy this season Ooh, uh that's that's a tough one because uh for for the listeners who don't know my my four-year-old izzy does a really good job predicting games um she's actually managed to predict some playoff rounds like deep into the the conference finals um and predicted some coyotes wins and losses um unfortunately she predicts their losses a lot too um but um she's she's more into into baseball right now but I'm, I'll try. <laughs> there we go. That's, I'm sure that's what a lot of people will love to hear, at least that. Anyways, uh, Kat, really appreciate you coming on. It's been a, it was a super pleasure having you on the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Kat Silverman, once again, joining us on today's episode of Lockdown Coyotes. Thanks again to Kat for uh, being a part of the show. Uh, really appreciated the conversation. Really good stuff uh, in the topics that we had today, You know, ranging from 
the uh, some of the uh, young guys like Connor Garland and goaltending and Darcy Kemper and Antiranza, all stuff like that, talking all things Arizona Coyotes and uh, some of the expectations and uh, whether or not they met him. It's really good stuff. Once again, thanks again to Cat Silverman. That will do it for us on today's episode of Lockdown Coyotes. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to leave a good review and to subscribe if you've yet to already. We are available everywhere you can get your podcasts. And also, you can interact with us on Twitter at RobLeonio1 is my Twitter handle. And at LO underscore Coyotes is the podcast Twitter handle. You can interact with us as well as you know, send us a direct message. Ask us a question if you have one. We can either answer them right on the spot or on a future episode of the Locked On Coyotes podcast. We want to be able to interact with you as much as we can because we really love hearing from you. Again, thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. Hope you guys are staying safe. Hope you guys stay healthy and don't forget to howl on.